Hi, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Leadership Trademark Podcast. Today, Leslie and I and Roz have invited a very special guest. It is my pleasure to welcome Shira Yoskovich. A bit about Shira. Shira is a transformation leader with over 27 years of comprehensive global expertise and success in cross-industry supply chain, operations excellence, strategic planning, and technology. She is passionate about customer experience and ensuring that an organization's operations are in optimal service of the overall brand experience. She writes currently the Vice President of Corporate Development and Transformation of SCI Group Inc., which is a leading Canadian third-party logistics company. Welcome to the show, Shira. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. So, so great to have you. So our discussion today will focus on the future of work. So I did a quick Google search just before the show and the work, the word future of work yields some 6.3 million entries out of which about 2.7 are articles. So I wonder why so much talk about the future of work. And just for fun, the word leadership in Google only gives 5.27 million entries. So COVID-19 pandemic has brought us a gift, a gift of transformation from nine to five job in a traditional office to work from home. Now we must reimagine what does the future look like? So here we are talking about the future of work. Are we going back to the office? Are we working from home? Is it a hybrid? How many days? But really, what we're talking about here is leadership. So, Shira, what do you see the real challenge right now? I think the challenge when it comes to how people work is there's no longer a one-size-fits-all paradigm. I think if you think back, never mind 10 or 15 years ago, I think if you think back even five years ago, it was the de facto expectation that people showed up in the office, nine to five, eight to five, nine to six, whatever your normal hours would have been. And the notion of working from home was, if it was allowed, and that's a very big if, it was almost admonished and looked down upon and seen as a form of, oh, they're trying to get away with something, etc. I think the gift that COVID-19 brought us is that standard of acceptability has forever been changed. I think it's forever been changed because the style of work has changed. I think technology has really taken over in its prevalence on how it facilitates the work environment. And I think, you know, the space that the commute used to occupy to and from the office has been filled with other things in people's lives that I don't think is ever going to go away. I think the challenge is the absence of a one-size-fits-all can sometimes feel chaotic as well. So the challenge facing companies and facing leaders is where did the pendulum belong? in that full swing what is there such a thing as a happy medium and how can it in fact work for all as opposed to being prescribed for all 
I think it's really one of the philosophical challenges that organizations are feeling at the moment. I think COVID, the COVID pendulum swung very far to one direction, and then it's slowly easing its way back. And I think we're probably only in the first or second wave of further changes to come in terms of the modality of how people work. There's a lot of pros to, let's say, uh, a remote working engagement or a hybrid working engagement. And there's a lot of cons and it's going to take time to really sort out is the pro the pro or is the pro the con or vice versa. So Shira, as you speak, I hear and I have a question. Mm -hmm. In the middle of all this chaos where apparently everybody's lost the plot, uh, what do you think a leader who's moving forward to a future state in the face of all this uncertainty and complexity, how or what is the first step or the strategy that a leader should take, must take, could take from your perspective? Yeah, from my perspective, I think it's a couple of things, really. I think the first thing the leader needs to do is really pay attention to how their team is working. What drives their team? What drives the work? Not all work is conducted in the same way. Frankly, completely against the, the, the thought belief or belief system that had been in place before COVID, not all work is conducted in the same way. Some work is very technology forward or technology enabled and some work really isn't. So I think the first thing that a leader must, must, must do is ask themselves what exactly is the work that their team is engaged in. And the follow on question is why? Okay, so on that point, um, is an as an effective leader, mm-hmm. effective, not ineffective, effective leader. Do you think it's important to know some things about your followers? Absolutely. So, take absolutely out into two sentences. What do you need to know about them? You need to know what matters in their work, who their work is in service of. Every person has an internal and an external customer. Every person has an internal and external supplier. So who is it that this person is needing, or people, depending, are needing to interface and for what purpose? That's the first thing in understanding what what kind of work needs to be clustered together. I think the other part, whether we agree with it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we see the value or not, the behavioral aspects of your team and how each individual on your team wants to be led, needs to be led, needs to be interacted with, are going to be as different as the number of people on your actual team. And so that composite is as important as the individual mandates because that composite has to live together. Right. So I'm on board with you as a, as a coach for many years and as a coach of executives. Um, 
to me, what I have learned, seen, heard the most of is that these senior leaders or mid-sized leaders or any leaders are afraid to ask the question of their followers. And even if they ask it, their nervousness comes across. Mm -hmm. And so they don't get the real answer. So what is it that an effective leader has to do in order to get people to trust them, to actually be able to tell them, here's what I want and here's why, and here's what you need to do for me. They need to first stop talking and listen. They need to listen. They need to observe. Listen, okay. Right? Only after they've listened and they've observed do they have the right to offer an opinion. Right. I have finished my questions of you. You're terrific. And we're on the same page. <laughs> Leslie, over to you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for that, uh, Shara and Roz. And I've been listening to the two of you um, discuss this and I start hearing things like engagement. What is the role, do you think, Shira, of employee engagement and what does that look like in, in the future? It's interesting because I, I spend a lot of my time talking about are employees engaged and how do we know and what does it look like? And I think, you know, there's there's the obvious of body language and eye contact and things like that but that's super hard to measure in a remote environment and that's one of the things that's that I think has fundamentally hampered with the prevalence of technology and everything being done over zoom or webex or whatever your tool of choice is so I think there I think the visual cues that have historically been there are perhaps not as prevalent I think engagement presents itself in do they bring forward an idea do they do they challenge something? Do they encourage? Not every person will feel comfortable suggesting or or trying to modify someone else's behavior, but engagement is an emotional response, right? And so I think as leaders, what we're trying to do is evoke the positive natural response. I think. I think, however, that when we talk leaders, it's not, it shouldn't only be taken in the context of levels. It should also be taken in the context of sometimes there are leaders within peer groups. Sometimes there are subject matter leaders, depending on the scenario. And I think engagement, engagement is both a privilege and it's an obligation. I think people have to want to be engaged, but you have to open the door for someone to be engaged. So it's absolutely, it's absolutely a, a uh, it's an important aspect of day-to-day -day work and an important aspect of day-to-day -day life. And it's mission critical, I would say, where just about every organization out there these days is going through some level of change and transformation mm -hmm. just in trying to deal with the aftermath of the, the changes in behavior on pandemic. I think we have to recognize, however, that engagement looks and presents differently in different scenarios. So, Shira, I, I'm on the same page with you. However, if engagement is a privilege, 
it's also a responsibility. Absolutely. And that surely must be the foundation of why I work for you or why you work for me. I see so often leaders confused because followers are not doing this or this or whatever, whatever. But the reality is that the followers are not really clear about what they're supposed to be doing. Or they're clear, but and they so don't have the tool kind set. of doing their best. Now, there are followers who maybe should be following somebody else, but. No, but, exactly. I, but, I, but I think, Roz, I think, I think the presumptive of they're not following because sometimes they're not following because they don't know how. That's right. They don't have the tool sets. They right. don't have the access. They don't, they don't know, you know, people in every society and micro society react to modeled behavior. Well, learning how to follow is a modeled behavior as well, because right. learning to follow has to be paired with a level of safety to follow and a Correct. level of safety to fail. Right. And if you don't have that, no matter how engaged the person started off to begin with, that gets lost very quickly. So engagement is also not sort of a one and done kind of conversation. It's a it's a rather hungry beast that has to be fed consistently. So, so I hear a lot of people say, my boss doesn't have my back or my boss this. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a masked criticism. Mm -hmm. When I'm working with these people, I say, oh, so that's how you feel. Yes. And I said, well, have you got his back? Oh, well, what would that look like? And that to me is the is part of the conversation that never gets talked about. What does, having, does. Someone, what does having someone's back look like? What does someone having right. your back look like? Because I may disagree with you. I may have a completely different point of view than you. Right. That is my right Right. There, that is why there's a difference between aligning and agreeing and fundamentally between aligning, agreeing, agreeing and having someone back. I mean, if I think back to one of my I had a I've, I've been the benefactor of mentors throughout my corporate career. And if I think back to one of my early mentors, look, I'm not going to lie. She could make me angry enough to chew bricks. And there were times where. I truly questioned, but I will say, you know, so that relationship is call it 26 years long at this point. And yeah. I would say it probably took me about 15 years to recognize that her pushing me the way I was pushed was the best thing that was ever actually the demonstration of her having my back because right. she was getting me out of my own way. Yeah. So now, now, as you're, is... but as you're saying that, Shira, I'm hearing uh, that A, you were someone who wanted to know, B, you did have passion, um, C, you probably don't get offended that easily, 
and, and I'm thinking from her perspective, she thought, okay, I got a high potential one here. I'm going to push her, which is never nice at the beginning, but, but you know what I'm saying, right? Because otherwise we all just get too sloppy. We need somebody to say, you can do this. Go. I've got your back. You know, it's, it's a very interesting thing because one, so this very same mentor that I, that I was telling you about one of the, I still remember the interview question that she asked me when I went to go work for her. And, and there were three questions that she asked me. Number one, if I asked the person who knows you best in the world, what would yeah. they say about you? Tell me three things they would say about you. And the next question was, if I ask a person that you've only met once, what what are the three things they would say about you? Good question. And, and the third question was, how do you need to hear feedback? Yeah. yeah. And to this day, without fail, every time I interview someone, those are the three questions three that questions. I'm asking them. Right. Because... Again, I, I would say in the nature of my work, there are certain skills that are table stakes. You're not coming into the room if you don't have certain financial skills, right. certain coding right. skills, certain technical right. skills, right. whatever. Right. You're right. not even coming, you're not even getting to the meeting with me. Right. So by the time they come to meet with me, that stuff, the table stakes, the validation of their degrees, whatever it might be, that's already done. I now care about Okay, you, so if human. that's done, Shira, right. So you hire a person. Yes, I'm saying I'm I'm assuming this based on their character, not on their skill set. I mean, they have to have a skill set, of course, but you're looking for uh for character traits. I can teach someone how to code. I can teach someone how to lead a workshop. I cannot teach someone to be able to solve problems. I cannot teach someone to have integrity. Right. I cannot teach someone to be a mensch. And so, and so what I heard you say is really it's about safety, the trust. It's about engagement. It's about listening. It's about being human. And, and so going back, Shira, to, to the future of work, and imagine you had a, a crystal ball in front of you and you're looking at it and say, okay, we've been challenged clearly through this discussion today. We've been challenged on the leadership mindset. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about some of the key traits that, that are important. And so looking at this crystal ball in front of us, what, what would you see? How do you see this? you know, the future of work, the maturity model that we're moving forward, what do you see that that is? Or is it or is it not? Is it the same? It's just that we're we're using different, different, um, I guess, different thoughts, or we're looking at this a bit different, but leadership is leadership, no matter what happens. What What is your thought? I mean, I think I think there is an aspect of leadership is leadership. And you'll know it when you see it. You'll know you'll feel it when you witness it. 
I do think that, you know, on the the skill spectrum that you talked about, the listening, the caring, et cetera, et cetera, on the attribute spectrum, I'm sorry, not not skill spectrum. I think depending on what else is going on in the ecosystem, I think some of those take higher precedence and prevalence in different periods of time than on others. I do think that it's a balance. And I think at any point in time, you got to, as a leader, you got to know which tool you're pulling out of your toolbox mm -hmm. because they can't all be out. They can't all be in at any one time because it, otherwise that's unbalanced. But, and the, you know, if I think about my team, so I'm, I've currently got uh, between my direct and my indirect, I've currently got about 60 people that I interact with on a, on a very regular basis of which about eight or direct reports in that team in the eight or in the 60 they're all going through their own cycles at the same time but those cycles are different and so part of my job as the leader of the of the department of the initiatives of the transformation but also as just a just a, a a cohort in that environment that is trying to feed the ecosystem and balance it part of what i spend my time doing and i encourage the people on my team to do it is turning the 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 attribute dials with their own team at any point in time because it's not a steady state i think look this isn't the first time in modern history that we've had something profound happen in the working environment, right? Right. It is the first time that the entire world shut down for this length. But if you think about it, it's not the first cataclysmic business event. It's not even the first cataclysmic business event in the last 25 years, right? This order of magnitude and the length and the depth to which it COVID affected is what's making this unique. But everybody who went through this at the same time had a shared experience, but at the other, at a at a different time, had a completely unique experience of what COVID and the pandemic and the isolation and all of those things affected in their own lives. And so that is understanding that, not solving that because I can't mm -hmm. solve your problems. You can't solve mine. Mm -hmm. But I can respect and understand what your problems have done to your balanced ecosystem and attributes levels so that my job is to reflect that, to compensate that, or just smooth that out. What I worry about is that there are people in the workforce today that are very skilled, but we've somehow forgot about them or we've left them behind and yeah. and maybe they want to become leaders. So my question to you, Shira, is what is your advice to somebody who would like to be a leader? What kinds of steps should they take? What What do they need to do to prepare themselves for this future of work and a leadership role there look I think that I think for me it's a couple of things and I think number one you want to be a leader then step up if you're waiting for someone to open the door for you you're going to be waiting there a long time yeah 
right? You want to lead, you want to be at the table, you want to be part of the group that decides, then step up and step in with both feet. And I think in terms, the best advice I would always give someone is know who you are fundamentally and what makes you tick. Mm -hmm. You can lead without a title. Mm -hmm. Title doesn't, by the way, there are people with titles who can't lead and there are people who, who don't have titles and are probably some of the best leaders around. You don't need a title. A title doesn't guarantee you the influence. But if you want to be in a leadership role, then learn not just the, the, uh, the functional area, finance, mm -hmm. accounting, operate, whatever it is, learn the business, the business with a capital B, right? Because the role of leaders is to influence the whole of the business, mm -hmm. not a department, a team, a person. Mm -hmm. So I think some of the challenges at a, at a macro level are some of the tools that we have put in place, the technology that we now have, the processes that we now deal with, things that are touchless and face recognized and all those things. What they've done is they've removed a level of accountability to do you really have the skill to do the work, yes or no? Bingo. And yeah. I think there is a shift in what it means to be effective versus efficient. And I don't think that they're the same thing. I agree. What every organization is supremely focused on looking for what's next, there is an obligation, frankly, to not be terribly creative in terms of some of what was done in the past, you know, just because everything is, is, on video and archived and as I said, you know, um, systemically oriented, you still got to write stuff down. You still got to draw some lines on a piece of paper. You still have to make sure that the tribal knowledge that exists in the workplace is documented and understood and messaged forward. And somehow it's been believed that technology replaces that and it only replaces it if done super deliberately and committed. But recording someone on a Zoom session does not equal knowledge transfer. <laughs> so I think the skill gap and the type of skills and therefore what it means, you know, I think the thing we don't talk about enough as leaders is very few leaders pre-COVID knew how to manage a remote team. They never had to. I sure I don't even think they knew many of them how to manage a team that was outside their door. And and be that as a, and I don't necessarily disagree, but managing a remote team across, especially if you then you talk about languages, you talk about time zones you talk about all the other things it is not the same and you know 
people get a lot of flack for, well, you know, the meetings are boring, the meeting is this, the meeting is that, whatever. You try and step up a whole day long and facilitate people who you've never sat in a room with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty, pretty easy to throw stones. But that is a hard way. And, you know, to your, to your comment earlier, the generation that is being asked to lead, given the exodus of the more experienced individuals, they, they were not, they haven't been afforded the privilege of the education and the coaching that it took us to, to get there. And so that is a skill gap as well. And that's a much harder one for companies to solve for. Yeah. Yep. Well said, well said, Shira. And, um, and I'd like to, um, to take this time to thank you very much. Um, you and I will talk, we'll talk a lot more. <laughs> I want to really thank you for the time um, that you spent and the, the, really the the sheer experience that you have shared with us. Thank you. It was, and, um, it was a sheer experience. It's a sheer experience. <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank All right. You. So when we invite you back, we'll look forward to you coming. I, I I will be there. She will. She will. She loves doing this. This is this is her new passion. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. These are important topics. And and I think we don't we don't bring these topics out of the shadows nearly enough. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for listening. And stay tuned for the future episodes of Leadership Trademark Podcast. You get it where you get your podcasts. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our second episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Join us next time for a discussion on bottom-up leadership with Dr. John Flannery of the University Health Network in Toronto. There is no license to lead. The role of a leader is to create the container that provides trust, hope, stability, and compassion. In the next episode, we will learn more about the impact of leading from the bottom-up.